Oh, one of my very favorite times of the week is right here and right now. Being with God's people and God's presence, experiencing things that we can only experience when we come together. Do you know there's some, such a thing as corporate grace? God does things in individual lives, but He does things in a, a, a local body's life together. It's so interesting when we contend as a body and we fight for things and there's a breakthrough spiritually, all the water level goes up and all the boats rise. And so many times, and, um, are we, you guys got this on recording? You guys, you guys good back there? Okay, great. Because I'm going to give you a quick testimony and then we're going to get into the word. But like one of the things we're seeing recently is just, just a slew of promotions and open doors and opportunities and raises and stuff. It's like they come in batches. And, uh, and so we contend together. You know, one can put 1,000 in the flight. Two can what? Put 10,000 in the flight. That's what the Word of God says. Jesus said, if two of you on earth agree, certainly you and I can call heaven on earth individually. But we come together corporately. There's a corporate grace. That's why it's so important to be committed to submitted to local leadership and spiritual authority. Because you come under a covering and then God does something in that place. That's why Satan tries to break us apart. But that's a whole other message. But um, So I'm hearing about these promotions. And um, so, Keith, did you get that job? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Keith and I were contending for a job. Uh, and he just, he just got that. But that's not the testimony I was going to give today. But that's, that's a good one. The one I'm going to give is about my wife. She... Uh, was hired um, as a, as a research scientist, um, and they were they, and they paid her a certain amount base. And they said, when you get your master's, we're going to pop that up, um, fifteen grand a year. And she got her master's, but they didn't give her the raise, and because they were they were insecure about re, the government uh, renewing their contract because they have a, a, a governmental contract supplying scientists to help uh, uh, research and solve the AIDS epidemic in Africa in particular, and around the world. And so, you know, we went from March till just a couple of weeks ago without that extra 15 grand a year that was promised to her when she got her master's. And so then a new company got the contract, and fortunately, uh, they kept all the scientists. That's a little, you know, a moment of insecurity there, whether they're going to keep the, all the employees from the previous company who had the contract. And so her job was retained, but uh, then they started negotiating the salaries with all the scientists, and she's the newest. And so, in the natural, you're not going to uh, get paid what you were promised by the previous company. And so we were talking about the, um, the improbability that she would get the extra 15 grand a year. But, everybody say but. but. Why not? Amen. Ask. So we're like, well, that's the natural. Okay, we've described the giant. And so we prayed and asked for 25 grand extra a year. And we, we, we prayed a specific number. And I said to the Lord, if this happens, nobody can take the credit but you. You are the only one that could pull this off. That afternoon, she had her interview, and she went to work saying, they're not going to tell me what they're going to pay me today. They're just going to interview me. Well, I got a text and all the text was, was the exact number we asked for. 
So they not only interviewed her, but they gave promise what they were going to give to her. And so now my new nickname for her is the number K, because that's what she sent was blank K. So that's my new nickname for her. So thank you, Jesus. We needed it. All right, here we go. Jumping into the Word of God today, family, uh, let's welcome the Holy Spirit, the teacher. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the revelator. You're the one that opens our eyes. We are not impressed, Lord, with our natural ability to mine for information. We're impressed with you. You give us our intellect, but you also open our eyes to go beyond natural information into revelation, which brings transformation of a life and a church and a city. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You are the teacher. Flow through me like water and open all of our eyes and our hearts and our minds to be impacted by God today in this place and for everyone listening and watching online. And everybody said, everybody said, come on now, I didn't work all week long to get patty cakes and little dribbles come out of your lips, all right? And everybody said, that's what I'm talking about. That was totally unsolicited. All right, so today, now we are in a series that I am so excited about teaching because this is one of the foundational truths that will rock your world for the rest of your life. Your identity determines your activity. It determines your confidence. It determines the way you see others, the way you see God, the way you see giants. The way you see yourself is the way you're going to behave yourself. God had already promised the promised land to his people. When they went into it, they saw the giants. And then they said this, we were grasshoppers in our own sight. Therefore, we were grasshoppers in their sight. It reminds me when I was in junior high school and this little kid that was half my size shoved me in the chest one day for whatever reason decided to pick on me. And this fear went inside of me. And once I was a grasshopper in my sight, I was a grasshopper in his sight. And he tormented me every day in school. I'd be, I remember walking, I was halfway up the stairs, turning to go up the other stairs, had all my books in my hands, and he knocks all the books out, and everybody goes, ooh, and everybody backs up. And there he is. I mean, he's looking up at me. He's like, came up to like my belt. I mean, he was so, but I was afraid of him. And then something happened. One day, we both rode rode the same bus. I got on the bus, and I looked at him, and I don't know what it was, but I got revelation. I could snap him in half like a toothpick. And I just walked right up to him, and I said, hey, I've been afraid of you, and I had no idea why, but I'm not anymore. You touch me again, I will break you in half. And all of his friends were like, ooh, never bothered me again. Well, listen, quit being afraid of the devil. He's a punk. He's a fallen angel whom Jesus ripped his teeth out of his mouth when he rose from the dead. That's why when it says the devil goes around like a roaring lion to seek whom he can devour, the reason he's like a lion is because he has no teeth anymore. He's going to try to do is gum you to death. But he uses intimidation. Jesus called him the father of lies. He sows lies into our minds all the time. 
Do you know psychologists say that we self-talk all the time? You know when we talk about using positive affirmations and speaking, speaking positive things over yourself? The Bible says we're supposed to do that. It says to meditate the Word of God. The word meditate means to mutter under your breath. God says that the Word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. The Word is near you. God wants us to have His words in our minds and in our heart. Why? Because we're always talking to ourselves anyway. And psychologists say that 80% of our self-talk is negative. How many of you know that's true? How many of you know you're your own worst critic? That's part of the fall. God's trying to get us to renew our minds to speak truth about ourselves so that we can know who we are, so we can start acting like who we are. Can I hear an amen yet? So that's what this whole series is about. I'm telling you, if you allow this to sink deep down into your spirit, it is going to revolutionize the way you operate in life and in your relationships and your prayers to God and your speaking to the enemy and all of it comes from our ID. Have you ever lost your ID before? Anybody lost? Raise your hand. You ever lost your ID? That, that, I mean, you can't function without an ID. You can't rent a car. You can't get a credit card. You can't get in certain places. You can't get out of certain places. You've got to have a passport. You've got to have an ID. You have to have a way of identifying yourself. Have you, how many of you have ever seen the, the movie, The Born Identity? Right? Yeah, yeah. And the Born Supremacy. Mm-hmm. And then the Born Ultimatum. Right? Yeah. Well, here's a guy who did not know who he was. And all three movies are all about him finding out who he is. He has the skill set, and he doesn't know why he has it and what he's supposed to do with it. Many of God's people are the exact same way. We've all been gifted by God with personalities and with, with skill sets and with spiritual gifts. And we don't know why we have them. We don't know what they are. We don't know what they're for. We don't know what, you know. That was, that was his condition. And he had to go all three movies. You have to endure all three. Well, not endure, but you have to go through well, you got to go all through all three movies until he goes all the way back to the beginning where it started so he can figure out what his name is and who he is and why he has the skill set and what it's for. Well, you and I, too, have to go all the way back to the beginning to find out who we are. And that's what we're going to do today. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and in chapter 1, After all the research that scientists and philosophers and spiritualists all over for thousands and thousands and thousands and billions and billions of dollars have been spent to discover Genesis chapter 1. And we're still groping at best. But you don't have to grope anymore. Just read the dang Bible. So let's start. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Let's see how complicated this is. Now, this was written originally the Hebrews. I'm not sure we're going to really be able to understand it fully because, you know, God doesn't want us to understand His will. He wants us to live confused. That's why it's all confusing. Watch. Look how complicated this is. Then God said, everybody say, God said. Let us, the Trinity, make human beings in our image to be like us. Wait a minute, I'm confused. I didn't understand that whole sentence. It's very complicated. They will reign over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock, the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Everybody say in his own image. 
of our most basic questions are answered in two verses. In the image of God, he created Lily and Hope and Mark and Shelly and Keith and Mike and Mark and Colette and, and Courtney and Will and Mindy. and uh, He created us, male and female. Everybody say male and female. I know it's getting complicated. He created them. Then God blessed them. He didn't curse them. He blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply. Here's purpose. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you everything. So here is who we are, where we came from, what we have in our hands, what our purpose is, and where we're headed. It's all right there in two verses. The psalmist got a revelation of this 1,500 years later. I want us to go to the book of Psalms and look at David. A man after God's own heart, God called him. He got this revelation. He says in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You've taught children and infants to tell of your strength. So what translation? Would it be? Yeah. Jesus quoted this. It says, out of, your, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have protected perfected praise the word praise and strength are the same word some of your translations use either praise or strength because when you have your eyes on god and you're praising him you get filled with strength because of his divine nature descending upon your praise and children know this out of the mouth of babes and infants you have perfected praise perfected strength because of your enemies it says silencing your enemies and all who oppose you children know Children know God exists. You have to talk them out of it. You have to teach them out of the things that are intrinsically inside of us. Children know abortion's wrong. My mom's a second grade school teacher. One of the kids said something about killing a baby in a womb. And the whole class gasped. All of us went, and looked at my mom. And she was looking back at this classroom of second graders. And they're all staring at her like, Explain to us what Lucy just said. And my mom was like, what do you say? Children know it's wrong. We have to be taught that it's not wrong. So that our conscience is not convicted and condemned for doing the things that we do. Out of the mouth of babes and infants. Jesus said, unless you come to me like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. Because we overanalyze God and we have to, everything has to be proven to us. Rather than just being like a child. Saying, I believe. I believe. The psalmist got a hold of this. Instead of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you perfected, perfected praise for your enemy. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set into place, what are mere mortals that you should even think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. This is the most amazing thing. I was talking to my mom on the phone yesterday and she went on and on. And I jumped on and went on and on about how personal our God is. That he can be dealing with the suffering humanity all over the planet and all these major issues, these macro issues. And yet he is so intimately involved in every crevice of our lives. He cares about us so personally. Last weekend, 
I was just discouraged about something. I was depressed. I was, I was had all this negative self-talk, and I was just really in a bad way mentally and emotionally for about two days, and it was over one particular area. And I was going to get on the treadmill, and I thought, I'm just going to listen to a sermon. And, and so I decided to, to pull up a sermon from Bethel, and uh, I had not listened to a Bethel sermon. Bethel is a church up north. I had not listened to a sermon from them in, in two years. Because you had to get into different streams, listen to, listen to different things. And I thought, that's interesting. I haven't thought about listening to a Bethel sermon in a couple of years. So I thought, I'm going to find one from Bill because I like listening to Bill Johnson. But what popped up was the sermon of the week, and it was Chris Volatile. I thought, well, I don't want to spend time looking for a sermon. I'll just listen to Chris. And so I put on Chris. He literally preached on exactly what I was dealing with. It was so, I mean, the same phrases coming out of my mouth to God. The emotions, the feelings, and it's one of those teachings that you rarely hear somebody teach on. I started crying while I'm on the treadmill, being overwhelmed at how personal God is. This word here, when he talks about, he uses the word here, uh, the human beings, it's one of the four words of, of Adam, Adam. And this one is man and his weakest state. The smallest, most insignificant. And he's comparing man to the vastness of the galaxies. And then he says, and yet, why do you even pay attention to human beings? That you should care for them. Yet, you made them only a little lower than God, not a little higher than the apes. You made them a little lower than God. Some translations say uh, angels... That's still pretty high. The word Elohim can be God or angels. You made him a little lower than God or the angels and crowned them. Now watch this. I'm going to have you confess something here in a minute. And crowned them with glory and honor. Now I dare you to say out loud, I am clothed with glory and honor. Because you are. The devil's not going to tell you that. We fell short of God's glory, but we still have our glory and honor. We are still the pinnacle of God's creation. Look at what he says about man versus the rest of creation. You gave them, that's us, charge over everything you made, putting all things under our authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish, the sea, and everything that swims in the oceans and currents. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I'm majestic. Your name fills all the earth. The, astro- the astro- astronomy... And the biology, everything, we were created by God, higher over all of it, and we rule all of it. And it's, everything's fallen. All of creation fell when Adam and Eve fell, but we're still the highest pinnacle of God's creation. And the Bible says all creation groans for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. When we'll be liberated from this oppressive state that we are in, and we once again reign and rule with Jesus, and he makes all things new and creates a new heaven and earth, and we will reign with him forever. Can I hear an amen? Thanks for coming today. God bless you. But here's the problem. We don't look to God to find our self-worth, our self-esteem, our self-value, and our purpose. We look to all these other sources. The Bible says, God says, I made them in my image so the way that we can see ourselves is by looking at God, catch this, look at God, and then we see ourselves in his reflection. 
like, if, like one of our uh, gals in our church met her husband's family for the first time. I don't know why, but that's what happened. And she said, once I was around his mom and dad and brothers and sisters, I, she was, oh, I understand why. That makes sense, the way he does that and the way he behaves. And I see all that going on in the family. She saw him in the reflection of his family, right? You and I see our perfect image in God's reflection. But if we don't look at God and we look at these other sources, I'm going to show you four different sources we look at other than God. It's like looking into a funny mirror. You know those mirrors at the, that you, you know, in the fun house? You go to the fair, you walk in front of those mirrors. This is what happens to you and I when we are looking into other mirrors other than God to see who we are. We end up, now, first picture of me, okay, now that looks like God, right? That's just a natural reflection. When you look at that, you think of Jesus. That's just, look. But if I were to look at another source other than God to get my self-worth, you get distorted like this picture here. Or this picture here. Or this picture here. That's how some of you are in church. You're like, you're, you're in process, you're, on the, you're praising him, but you're, you're work under construction, right? The Bible said, he that began a good work in you is continuing until Jesus returns. And so the whole idea is to eventually kind of get straightened out and find yourself and become more and more like Christ until you look normal. In the meantime, this is where some of you are, and some of you are as bad as this next picture here. And you're just... So I'm going to show you four funny mirrors that you don't want to look in so you don't end up looking like that. Here we go. And then I'm going to show you four God mirrors and then we're out. Four funny mirrors. Number one, other people. When you and I use other people, now listen, having people in our lives that speak God's word to us, speak God's affirmation to us, that's great. But look, when you and I are drawing our source, primary source from them, you're going to be in trouble. The Bible says that all these people came to Jesus to make him king, but he did not submit himself to people because he knew what was in man. He knew these people singing my praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, today are going to be crying, crucify him, crucify him tomorrow. How many of you have experienced that in this life? When people come up, my wife will say this, oh no. When somebody comes up to me and says, you're the best pastor I've ever had. You're the best preacher I've ever heard. She goes, oh God, you're the next one out the door. Don't know why it is, but over the history, the ones that sing the loudest praises are the ones that seem to be leaving the soonest. Rather than the ones that just simply say, we're called here, this is what God called us to do, roll our sleeves, let's get to work, they're here forever. People are fickle. People are like a box of chocolates, man. You never know what you're going to get. You know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family members or your in-laws I've been praying for, even before my children were born, for the men and women they'll choose. Because we're stuck with them forever. It's kind of like a box of chocolates, right? I mean, I love turtles, man. Those are my favorite chocolate. What's your favorite chocolate? Box of chocolate? What do you like in there? Okay. I wish everyone in my life was a turtle. Man, chocolatey outside, milk chocolate, not that bitter dark chocolate. <laughs> And then you got that caramel in there. You got the nuts. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. And then you see one that looks good. 
And it's like, ooh, that's going to be good when you bite into it, and it's that orange crap. That's the way some people are. They look good on the outside, but boy, you end up in a relationship with them, and before you know it, man, they're putting that orange goop on you, and you're like, ooh. Have you ever taken a bite of one and just put it back in the box? Shh. Here's what the Bible says about people. And uh, James, it says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil. Just look on Facebook, man. Full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing pour out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. And then you take it to the extreme where trying to get your self-worth from other people. Some people have such self dislike that they really wish they were someone else and middle school and high schoolers go through this a lot especially middle schoolers where that id finding out who you are in middle school that's that's a brutal time of life and all the hormones are blowing through your body and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to get into your body and and walk right and it's just awkward stage man and then you got that social media thing and so a lot of times you just wish you were someone else not like someone else like i like some of your attributes i want to adopt some of those i mean like i wish i was somebody else if, if you've ever wished you were somebody else you're suffering from a low self image low self-esteem and so what happens is you try to be like someone else and this could happen to you see that looks good right what about that That is what would happen if I said, I am jealous of Pastor Mark because everybody likes his teaching better than mine. He's clearly better looking than I am. He's more physically fit than I am. He's wiser, deeper, funnier. You know, he can come up here and cry so easily. So everybody's like, oh, we love Pastor Mark. (laughs) And so if I wanted to be him, that's what I end up going through life like. It doesn't work. You... I've got to be the, mo- the beautiful you that God created you to be. This, okay, the second source. All right, so we don't, want to, we don't want to get our self-worth from other people, though you can be affirmed by other people, and we should be speaking affirmations and build each other up. Yes, 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 all day long. But you can't be living for that. God is our ultimate source. Secondly, okay, then we'll decide for ourselves who we are. This is even getting dumber. That's why we have close to 100 personal pronouns now. Because we're deciding who we are. He made them male and female. You have to understand what's going on here. Now look, I don't want to be insensitive, and I really don't. People that are suffering from uh, their sexual identity are truly suffering. It's torment on the inside not to have clarity about who you are as a human being. But the reason God made them male and female is because that is a perfect expression of who God is. 
We are expression of his glory. We are made in his image, and God made us male and female. And when the male and the female come together, they become one flesh, the perfect expression of the glory of God. So when we break it down through sin and fragment it all out, you have to understand what's going on behind the scenes. This is the devil who hates God. He tried to overthrow God, and he could not. So now he's trying to overthrow God's man and woman, which he did in the garden. Jesus came back to redeem us and restore us and restore the image of God in us so God can radiate through us. And Dr. Damage is still in the earth trying to rip us apart, redefine us, crush us, shame us, hurt us, and drag us to hell with him. That's the battle that we're in. That's why the church is not, uh, is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's not a hotel. It's a hospital. We are healing people up. We're helping people find who they are in God and tell them to get out there and kick some devil butt. Let's go. It's not, oh, well, Pastor John, he didn't do a very good job today. Yeah, he just criticized me all the way home. Really? Oh, he's so wonderful. That's not what this is about. We're, we're, we're in the locker room now, and it's halftime. And I'm equipping you to go out there and win. And you, it begins right here, right there. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 113, 73 says, With your very own hands you formed me. Now breathe your wisdom over me so I can understand you. Because when we see you, then we see us. Have you ever given uh, your little kids money to go buy you a birthday present? Remember that? Your kid wants to buy your birthday present, so you give them some money so they can go buy it for you. Anybody? Raise your hands. Yeah, I mean, come on. Okay, we have four good parents in this church. It, it's, it's you have to resource them to go get the gifts that they want to give to you. That's what God has done to us. He gives us his love for us to love him with and love one another with and love ourselves with. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love, 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 love. That's why on the back of our t-shirts, you see somebody wearing our t-shirts around here? It's called loving God back because we love him because he first loved us. And there's a circle, two arrows going around like this. Our love for God and our love for each other and our love for ourselves begins by us being given love by God to begin with. And it just cycles itself around. But in our culture, it's just like in the Old Testament where it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what we're doing right now and it's not working. The third source that we look into a funny mirror is creation. Okay, then we're going to look at creation to see where we came from. Now, this is the pot looking at the pot to find out what the pot is rather than the pot looking at the potter. When we study creation and decide that's where we came from, we're like in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. As the thief is ashamed when he is found out, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets saying to a tree, you are my father. And to a stone, you gave me birth. One translation says, you my mama. Well, it says you're my mother, but I'm saying you my mama. Looking at a rock and saying, you are my mama. You gave birth to me. 
I came from the earth. The earth is saying, this dust is saying to the earth, you are my mother, you are my father. It says, for they have turned their back on me. See that? I'm looking at God. Oh, I'm a human being made in your image. I turn my back on God and I'm looking at the earth. And I'm saying, oh, you're my daddy, you're my mama. They turn their back on me, not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they'll say, arise and save us. Even atheists say, oh my God, when they're in trouble. Because deep down, we know that God exists. And then God says in the rest of this verse, when you're in trouble, cry out to your tree, cry out to your rock, and see if they're going to save you. I was asked recently by a teenager if astrology is real because it seems to be so accurate. And I said, well, here's the problem. The plan of salvation is written in the stars. I took this course when I was in Bible school. That literally the lamb and the cross and the whole deal is right there in the stars. But what the devil has done is he has changed the stars to be about us. We find our identity through creation rather than the creator all over again. That's what astrology is. Are you a Capricorn? No, I'm a child of God. What month were you born in? Oh, I was conceived before time began. In fact, I rule over the stars because I'm a human being made in God's image. And then the last funny mirrors are positions, our possessions, and our performance. Our successes, our failures, our acquisitions, our accomplishments, purpose-drivenness, ambition, materialism. Look, when we do well, we feel so great about ourselves. When we don't do well, we just, oh, you suck. I mean, we're so hard on ourselves. You know, we have money, then we lose it. We have a girlfriend, then we lose her. We have a position, and then we lose it. Man, do you guys know that life is fickle? The shifting sand, man. And we put, we anchor our self-worth into our performance and our possessions and our positions. Look at Proverbs 23 says. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle. I remember when Hope and I got married, I told her my dad was rich. She had never met my dad just because we had a short, long-term relationship. I mean, we had a long-distance relationship and a short-term. Met in January, married in November. I lived in San Diego. She lived in Louisiana. My dad lived in Ohio. So it just didn't happen. We happened, but that didn't happen. And so we get married, and then we're going to, and he was at the wedding, and we go to Ohio for her to meet my dad, and we go to his house, and my dad's gates, these huge gates with big E on them for Ray. And we're and she's like, huh? huh? And these gates open. And you see this long driveway going up to the largest house in the state of Ohio that he built himself. He's a land developer and a home developer. And she looked at me and she said, You told me your dad had money. You did not tell me he had money. <laughs> I was also on staff at a mega church in East County, and it was global platform and all that. Well, guess what? The position left and the money left, and all she had left was me. (laughs) 
And clearly I'm enough. Because she's still here. Yeah. Thanks for the patty cake. Really, it's that she's a faithful Proverbs 31 woman. That's why she's still here. Without a healthy biblical self-image, we become preoccupied with ourselves, concentrated on our own needs. We constantly look for position and possessions for ourselves in order to be accepted by others. But once we see... ourselves as God sees us and realize who we are, that we're uniquely made in God's image, loved, accepted, forgiven, well-loved children. We're set free from our preoccupation. I think I'm going to quit there. I was going to give you the four God mirrors, but you're stuck with the four funny mirrors this week. Sorry. Next week, we'll look at the four God mirrors. Some of you are addicted to one of these or more of these four funny mirrors. And look, you come by it honestly. We all are. Probably the last one is the one where I, I struggle. The performance for a guy, we just like to fix things. We like to build things. And I, I have to constantly come back to the Lord and say, I find my worth in you, not in the works of my hands. I think about Stuart, who's so faithful here. Working for a job 17 years, gets a phone call this week. And uh, they wanted to give him no explanation. And uh, you know how corporations can be. And I just looked into his eyes this morning and I said, you are faithful. And that's what Jesus rewards. Faithfulness. I'm preaching to myself now. One lady, one person came up to Mother and Teresa and said, what do, you th- what do you say to all the success that you've had? She said, Jesus never said anything about success. All he talked about was faithfulness. So when I'm not producing the way I want to produce, I always always think by the grace of God, come back to, am I doing what God's called me to do and am I doing it with all my might? Yes, then we're good. Maybe that's in the mirror you look into, especially for guys. Or maybe you're getting your self-worth from other people's opinions of you. That's called the fear of man. And the Bible calls it a snare. But it says, they that trust in the Lord are lifted up on high in a solid place. I want to encourage you. People's opinions matter to us, but they shouldn't matter so much that it controls us. You're beautiful. Made in God's image. Glory and honors on you. Some of you say, well, why should I sing in the worship band? They've already got plenty of singers. They don't have you. Nobody's got your voice. God didn't give it to anybody else. He, need, he wants to hear your voice. And you certainly don't want to show up on reward day. And Jesus said, well, I had a crown for you, but I can't give it to you because you, you didn't use what I gave you. He said, well, they already had singers. That's not going to play well on that day. You do you. 
All right, come on, let's come to the Holy Spirit. Hey, Mark, do you have uh, anything you want to, any application in this moment or something you want to say? Yeah, I thought so. Come on up. I was just thinking about uh, a conversation I had with the Lord a few years ago. He was in my quiet time, and um, I asked him what he didn't like about me, which is a dangerous question to ask. I had a whole list of what he should not like about me. And I was sort of getting ready for here comes several on that list. And... He said something to the effect that you're, you're really too hard on yourself. I said, yeah, I guess. And uh, he said, look, you dwell on your failures. You're always looking at your failures. Oh, man, so true. And I admitted it. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, um, when you succeed... Do you take the glory? And I said, no, I try really hard not to. He said, why are you taking the blame for all your failures? Hmm. He said, if you're not going to take the glory, you don't have to take the blame. Hmm. And he said, you're not about your successes and you're not about your failures. You belong to me. Oh, that's so good. Which is... Which is, I think, yeah. you know, I think this is what this whole series is about, is uh, we belong to him. We belong to him. We're not responsible for our successes, and we're not responsible for our failures. We're responsible for our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think we ought to just look at those four and ask the Holy Spirit, okay. which one's my issue? Good, let's do that. And tell me, and tell me what you want to say about those four things. Okay, Holy Spirit is, is my issue seeing myself through the eyes of others. Holy Spirit is my issue that I see myself through my own eyes and either fall into pride or self-hate. Lord, am I focusing on my human nature at the expense of the divine? Lord, have I bought into the God of this age in our culture that my identity is in my success. Holy Spirit, which one is the big one for me right now? Please, Holy Spirit, for each one of us, which one is the one that we need to face, confess, and hear the truth on? So if he's shown you one of those four, just put your hand up for a second. You see, this is me. This is, this is my issue. Okay, now listen. Listen, this is important. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you right now about that issue. Well, I had three out of four, so give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, it could take a while. We all got three out of four. Four out of four. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me 
about living my life in the eyes of the expectations of others. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say about my self-focus and seeing myself always through the lens of me? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about me constantly focusing on my human nature and not you inside of me? What do you want to say about that, Lord? Lord, what do you want to say to me about my success and my need to perform and succeed? What do you want to say to me about that? For the last one, Mark, you know what came up in my mind? Peter blew it pretty badly, didn't he? Denied even knowing Jesus, cursing, I don't even know the guy, after all Jesus did for him. When Peter came back to the resurrected Jesus, all he asked him was, do you love me? Yeah. And that's what I got from the Holy Spirit right there. Which is perfectly relational, right? Yeah. Cuts through all the other stuff and just says, how are we? How How are we? How are we? And if we're good, if we can say that with God, I say to him sometimes, how are we? And he says, we're good. And it's okay. That's, that's all I need to hear. That's enough right there. Amen. Amen. Hey, Josh, will you lead us in uh, I am who you say I am? Can we do that? Let's all stand and let Josh close us out with this song. Sing it as a declaration. I'm also going to ask the prayer teams to please come down front. If you've been coming to pre-service prayer, you're welcome into the prayer teams. Also, Francisco, wave your hand, Francisco. As of today, he is now going to be our prayer team captain. He's going to be training and leading because our prayer teams are a major part of our DNA here. We get so many testimonies of miracles from people that come down front here and let the prayer teams pray for them. So if you are, so come down and be part of the prayer team. You come to pre-service prayer. If you're not coming to pre-service prayer, please do. God asks us to do that. 9.30 a.m. to up the water level the activity of the Holy Spirit and uh, so as Josh leads us in this song we worship, you can slip down here to be part of the prayer teams or slip down here for prayer, otherwise I see you at a connect group this week, they're all week long look online, look in your bulletin and we'll also definitely see you next Sunday, God bless you guys Who am I that the highest can would welcome me. Okay that I, that. I was lost, but he brought.